time we started a new series, and it's called Faith Catalysts. It's all about growing your faith and what happens to help, uh, to help grow your faith. What, what things can we actually um, stimulate faith with? So we started last time by imagining what it would look like to live with perfect faith and to have that perfect, calming confidence in God. And no matter where you are in the whole God kind of thing, whether you believe there is a God or not, and whether you are sure what you believe or whether you are not sure what you believe and maybe you're fully in, we have a wrestling match. All of us have a wrestling match that goes on with what we believe, especially when circumstance changes. Is it really what I thought? And so the Bible, in the, in the middle of the Bible, at the end of the Bible, in the beginning of the Bible, continually deals with God working to restore our trust relationship with Him. And last time we said that humanity's problems did not start um, just from disobedience. Humanity got into to trouble when we decided to not trust God. And the story of the Old Testament is God reestablishing a trust relationship with the nation of Israel. The relationship was supposed to be a visible model for the rest of the world on what it looks like to have a relationship with God. And then in the New Testament, um, we see God offering and opening up a trust relationship with the rest of the world through His Son Jesus when He came into the world. And, and what He tried to explain this to us, He didn't say, if you'll be good, then God will be faithful. He said, God wants you to trust Him. That was the message. That's why He sent me here. If you will trust me, you will be able to reestablish the relationship with your Heavenly Father. Because just as things fell apart over trust, it can be reestablished with trust through Christ. So that's what we're at work at. That's what God's at work at here and there and everywhere. God is entering into relationships and into partnerships with people to help them grow giant, enormous, big faith. And as your faith grows, your life changes and improves. Relationships will be different. The way you view tragedy will be different. And the way you view prosperity will be different. Morally, um, financially, ethically, um, those will all be different. And so God is in the process of trying to grow in us this great big faith. And we ended last time by looking at five things that God seems to use to grow our faith. And these are not five things that you do. Uh, this list doesn't exist in the Bible anywhere, but this list does exist in telling us what we're going to be doing for the next few weeks. So no matter where you are on the, on the growth spectrum, maybe you've just decided to begin your pursuit of Jesus, and maybe you have decided not to begin your pursuit of Jesus, and maybe you've been doing this for years and years and years, and you've just kind of drifted away. Or, or maybe, maybe you're just at the, that a high point in your connection with Jesus. These are things that God will continually, not once, but continually use to grow our faith, our confidence in Him. So today we jump into number one, which is practical teaching. When men and women and college students and whoever tell their stories about God growing big faith in them, one of the things that shows up in their story goes something like this. It's like, I, I, I had heard about God, or 
uh, I grew up going to Sunday school, or maybe you grew up in a, in a different religion, and, and then someone invited me to a Bible study, or um, there was this guy at work, and he, and, and he started a Bible study at work, or uh, somebody invited me to a church that I'd never been to before, and someone invited me into some kind of environment, and when I arrived, there was somebody there who was teaching the Bible, and I listened, and my mind was stretching. And I never knew that that stuff was in there. It's, it's so unlike my previous experiences and my previous expectation of what the Bible is like. It wasn't just information and more information. They taught it in a practical way so that I could actually apply it to the way I was going to live. And one of the things that grows all of our faith, and it starts at that first time, where we were exposed to practical biblical teaching. That is that someone who's teaching the Bible, and at the end of the lesson, they don't just say, okay, well, I guess you know more. We know what to do with what we've learned. When we experience the Bible in that kind of a context, you go, it's something that God wants me to do, and not just know. When we get that kind of a mindset, our faith just gets bigger. It just expands. And the problem in, that is so, in so many churches is that there is a contentment with, uh, with just covering the material, right? Here is some stuff the Bible says, right? And, and the, the, the people uh, in general are, are saying, you know, we like shorter and shorter sermons. And one of the reasons is that because they've already, they know what the teacher is going to say before the teaching has ever begun. I read you what it said. Done. Right? But Jesus opened the Old Testament. When he did that, it was different. When the Apostle Paul started teaching in the book of Acts, um, he would expound on the Old Testament and, and he would go uh, expound on what Jesus had taught. It was different. And Jesus taught towards application, not simply to information or to knowledge. And so we're going to go back to Matthew. Last week we were in Matthew as well, but today we're going to Matthew 7.24 is where we're going to start. This is very typical of the way that Jesus would teach. So where we are right now, he just finished up the Sermon on the Mount. It's probably the most defining teaching of Jesus that you could ever read. And if you've never read the Bible, this is a great place to start. Just uh, jump to Matthew, read chapters 5 to 7. That's the Sermon on the Mount. The whole thing was about what to do and not simply what to believe. There was a belief part, and it's huge and it's important. But most of what that sermon was about was about what to do. And what, with what you believe. Believe it, do it. And so the reason that Jesus was bringing out the examples uh, of how to live this out is because Jesus understood that knowing things doesn't really make a difference. It's what you do that makes a difference. And so the Sermon on the Mount is about big faith. What would it look like if you had really big faith in God? You would live like the Sermon on the Mount describes. And this is not about gaining God's favor. This is, this is about people who already had God's favor. So this is not about getting to heaven. This is about going in deeper. Um, and so we're going to jump in, conclusion of the message, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, yeah, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. If you want to see God show up in your life, then you're going to have to do these things. Not know them, but do them. So the, the Jesus t-shirt that you bought at the big Jesus conference that was at the Mount means nothing 
if you do not put these things into practice. They must be applied. This is not about church attendance. If, if I go to church, are you going to bless me, God? Attendance doesn't equal putting Jesus' teaching into action. So what causes your faith to grow is not hearing it. It's not understanding it. It's not taking notes on it. It's doing something with what you have heard, with what you have understood, and with what you have taken notes on. This is why when you hear a series of these stories of faith, when people tell these about uh, how their faith grew up big, you hear people describing someone teaching. And then the next comment that comes up is something like, I finally understood what I was supposed to do. And so I began to do it. And then it was wild because God came alive in my life. I, I believed the stuff all my life. I'd heard it, but I didn't know what to do. And once I began doing it, my life was different. Now I can see God at work in my life. And when our obedience, which is really an act of faith in God's promises, okay, because, because, I, because I believe now, I'm going to do, right? When your obedience intersects with God's faithfulness, God honors your obedience because your obedience is an act of faith. Just like Abraham, right? Abraham believed, took action, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And I'm not going to do what you asked me to do because I think it makes sense. And, 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 I'm, and I'm not going to do it because I have seen anybody else do it. And I'm not going to do it because it seems to go along with what the culture says in general. And, and I'm not going to go along with it because I think it will work. Uh, not because I think that my life will somehow necessarily be better than anybody else's life. I'm going to do it simply because you said to do it. And that becomes an expression of, I trust you. That's an expression of growing faith. But that doesn't happen until someone helps you to apply and do. It's one thing to believe in good car maintenance. It is another thing to make it happen, right? What good does knowing what the vehicle maintenance schedule is for your car? Zero. You feel better knowing but it doesn't do you one bit of good if you don't apply it. So Jesus is teaching, if you want Christianity, this relationship to explode and to grow and to move, to be noticeable, to be transforming, you have to do things. And one of the things that helps to develop and expand the shield of faith that Paul talks about is to expose yourself to environments where people teach the word of God as, uh, here, it's not just here is something that you should know but they teach about God with the context of application. So here's what to do. Here's how to do it. Inspiration isn't just, wow. But inspiration is about being moved right into action. And so the rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. And the reason that the house did not fall down was not because the dwellers read books about construction. It's not because they met with famous builders who talked about building famous buildings. 
The reason that the house did not fall down is not because of extensive YouTube DIY video watching. The reason that the house stood firm is because they did the right things. They built their house on a rock. Jesus is saying, if you build your life on my teaching and on the application of his teaching, then that's the rock. That is a firm foundation to build your life upon. But if you do not do what he teaches, then knowing it, well, it will make some difference, but not enough to call it a firm foundation. So we listen and do. We acquire and apply. Next verse. But everyone who hears these words of mine, that means uh, attendance, right? Anyone who goes to church, anyone who goes to mass, anyone who attends the conference, anyone who listens to the podcast, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Because attendance does not make the difference, obedience makes the difference. 27, the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and they beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. The teachers of the law taught the law as more knowledge, and then after that, here's some more knowledge. Knowledge rarely changes your heart. And then Jesus came along and he taught something, and he said, believe something, but then you've got to do that something. It is in the do that the knowledge becomes insight, and the insight becomes wisdom, and it provides a place, a platform, wherein God can meet you in that risk place and change your heart and change your mind. So what does doing what Jesus teaches look like? It means you forgive. It means you go the second mile. It means you don't go back for the second look. It means that you give generously. If you want there to be a difference in your real life, in the real world, then you can't just listen. You can't just study. You can't just attend. You've got to do. And and, and when you do, when you take that that, that step, that act of faith, because that's what it is, when, when, when you do something that somebody asks you to do, even when you don't understand why, That's an act of obedience and trust in that person. Confidence in that person. Because from where I'm sitting, it doesn't doesn't make sense. What you're asking me to do doesn't make sense. But because I have confidence in you, because I have so much trust in you, because I have so much faith in you, I'm going to do what you say. I don't get it all, but I'm going to trust you. Even though it, it, it might not be considered what common wisdom I'm going to place my confidence in you. And God says, when you do that, when your act of faith intersects with my faithfulness, I'm going to come alive in whatever arena of your life that you have expressed that kind of faith. Now, application. This might help you if you have uh, come from a different Christian tradition. Or it might help you if you can barely remember your Christian tradition. Uh, When you start reading and teaching from Scripture and you point that teaching from knowledge and, and, and you point it towards the application of that knowledge, 
It is no longer peaceful. It is not meditative. It is disturbing. It is provoking. It is agitating. It can be upsetting. And at the end of John chapter 8, um, there's a story where Jesus is preaching, and his sermon was, uh, was to uh, people, after his sermon, people wanted to take him outside and stone him. And so there's a guy at the back who says, like, are you done? Good, because now you're done. Everybody, check your pew, pick up all your belongings, because we're all going outside right now. We've got a stoning to take care of real quick, then we'll all go to lunch, right? This is what happened to Jesus when he was preaching. And church then was not boring. There's another story in Luke chapter 4. That's the one we're going to go to now. It's another beautiful, contemplative, peaceful church service. One that I'm really hoping to not replicate today. Verse 28, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this and they got up and they drove him out of the town and they took him to the brow of the hill that the town was built and in order to throw him off the cliff. Many, many people have views on what church should be like. But somewhere in your life, somewhere in this season, somewhere in your month, somewhere in your week, you need someone to take you into the scriptures and wrestle out of you some engagement. You need the gift of being made to feel uncomfortable some of the time. It's possible that sometimes you might even feel guilty. Sometimes you might even feel ashamed of yourself. And I know that nobody wants to feel those things. I don't want to feel those things. I don't want to make other people feel those things. But when we take what we have, when we hold up what we do and, and, and how we spend our time and how we spend our money, how we... Uh, where we let our minds rest and linger and repeat. And when we, when we hold that up to the beauty of God's character, there will be times when you feel ashamed. Does that mean that God is mad at you or that he stopped loving you? you go, of course not. How will I ever change? How will I grow and improve if I'm never confronted with my flaws? How will I continue to shake off my old selfish nature if I never come to a clear focus of what the end goal looks like. When I see myself in comparison to the perfection of Jesus, there are times that I get disappointed with myself for settling. But I also get inspired to focus my heart and my mind, and then I re-engage in the earnest pursuit of Christ. I pray that uh, and ask that he would uh, transform me by, by renewing my mind. And, th and then I look to shake off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles that I might run with perseverance the race that's marked out for me. And I say, eyes up again, because I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of God. And consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You believe and you do. You learn so that you will 
apply. Take the thoughts and turn them into actions. The kingdom of God expands its presence as you and as I and as we live out the teachings of Jesus. We say, Jesus, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. May your kingdom come in me. May your kingdom come in us as it is in heaven. Attendance doesn't change your life. Obedience does. And simply hearing is not the end. Obedience, again, is the intersection of your faith and God's faithfulness. And that's why it's one of the things that just blows up our faith when we are consistently exposed to faithful, applicable, honest, authentic, practical teaching. Because unapplied truth is like unapplied paint. doesn't do anybody any good. The value is in the application. You have now heard. The next step is for you to take this home and apply it. You need to get on the phone and call her up and apply it. You, you, you need to be applying this at work. You've got to apply this at school. You've got to play the, apply this wherever you go. And if you don't apply it, it doesn't do any good. If you don't apply it, you are like a man or a woman who has built their house morally, ethically, financially. You are a person who has built their house on a foundation that will not survive the storms. You need to be in an environment where you are taught and encouraged to put the teaching into practice because everyone who hears these words of Jesus and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. We want you to be wise men, wise women, who have a strong, firm foundation from which to live so that when the day of evil comes, you might be able to stand. And when everything else passes, that you would be able to stand. Stand firm then. Pray with me. Kind Father, I thank you for the way that you are at work in us, in me. Don't stop. I pray that you would cause our faith in you to grow, our trust to become action. We would not be content to merely be hearers of the word, but we would be doers also. And in the also, we would see you move. And, and, and the closeness in that relationship that we long for, you would begin to appear once again as we move in faith of what you will do. As we do what you have asked us to do, you will meet us as we are going not before we start. It is not conceptual. It is physical. It must be applied and lived. And God, I confess that I get nervous sometimes because it's easier to think about it. It's easier to agree. It's easier to acknowledge than it is to do because the doing can be scary and it can make me feel vulnerable. And I can feel like if you don't show up, I'm going to be exposed 
And that's the exact place you want us. In that dependence on you. The work that you have begun, you have promised that you will carry it through to completion. Regardless of anything else, regardless of the circumstances that I live in, regardless of what my boss says, regardless of what my teacher says, regardless of what my friends say, regardless of what my parents say, you will be at work and you will carry the good work that you have begun to completion because that's how you work and you are faithful and you are good. God help us to take a step of obedience another step of trust, another risk where we say, God, I don't know what it's going to be like if you don't show up. But I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. I'm going to do the next right thing that crosses my path. Continue to speak to us and then continue to speak through us that the world may know that God loves us and that Jesus died for us and that our lives can be different than they are today. Move us into big faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.